from Duck Creek Technologies, it's Conversations on the Creek, the podcast series where we interview our partners about how the latest technology and insure tech is transforming the P&T insurance industry. I'm Rob Savitsky from the Duck Creek product marketing team. And I'm Robert Fletcher from the Duck Creek solution partner team. In today's episode, no pun intended, we're so stoked to be joined by Clark Woodward, founder and CEO of Red Zone who will share his perspective on the state of wildfire risk and describe how insurers are leveraging the latest science to underwrite and manage the risk with more confidence. In case you don't know Red Zone, Red Zone provides smart intelligence on natural disasters. Its wildfire underwriting and portfolio management solutions are providing the foundation for insurers, MGAs, and reinsurers to build profitable portfolios throughout the Western United States. Clark, hello and welcome. How are you? Thanks for having I'm really excited to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Clark, I want to second Rob's welcome. We were really excited to have your team take the lead in building an integration to Duck Creek policy using our integration development portal, duckcreek.dev. And I can't wait to, to have you share your unique insights on wildfire risk with our listeners. So Clark, let's uh, to get things started, uh, as we all know, the Earth's climate has been heating up. Um, you know, temperatures have warmed nearly two degrees Fahrenheit since the Industrial Revolution in the late 19th century. Uh, you know, I think this is a very timely topic, especially given that in the last week, uh, the United Nations Global Summit report came out uh, as reported on by various news outlets. Uh, one of the key findings in there was that humans have poured so much gases into the atmosphere that no matter what steps nations cut due to cut emissions, the world is going to keep warming until at least 2050. Uh, we're unfortunately going to blow past uh, those temperature increase goals set during the 2015 Paris uh, Agreement. And because of that, in the coming years, as we head towards 2050, we can expect hotter heat waves, longer and more intense droughts, and more flooding. And so to get things started, uh, you know, you're obviously the expert in wildfire risk. And so given our changing climate, I'd love for you to take, you know, get your take on the state of wildfire risk for the insurance industry and, and really get to understand, you know, what are some of the key trends? What are the salient trends you've observed in your time in the industry? Yeah, thanks, Rob. I mean, I think I would start with the fact that, you know, wildfire risk and climate change, change are just simply tied hand in hand. You know, wildfire activity really depends on so many climate factors. And that includes temperatures and temperatures affect you know, soil moisture and the presence of our trees and our uh, shrubs and our potential fuel. You know, climate change, as it changes and what we're experiencing on the, in the Western US from a fire perspective is that we're seeing hotter temperatures. We're seeing a summer that starts earlier and just goes longer. And we're seeing less dependable rain so that our fuels are just coming into the fire season and they're just dry and they're ready to burn. I mean, in my generation, we've seen climate change result in the doubling of fires, large fires in the Western US. And that's just in, like in the last 30 years. You know, from a firefighter's perspective, these changes in climate just create a warmer, drier, more intense condition. And the longer we have the fire season, you know, the more stressed our resources become and the greater we, we find ourselves in wildfire risk. And I think, you know, one of these, one of the most important parts is once a fire starts, we're seeing more and more extreme weather that goes on for longer and longer. And it just makes it harder for these firefighters to get their hands around a wildfire and really put it out 
before it becomes one of these mega fires. So, you know, I think one thing that we're really experiencing right now as it relates to climate is that we're having fewer normal years. In California, over the last five years, you know, we have seen years with very wet rains, which contribute to fuel growth. And those are followed by very dry years, where now that new, that new vegetation is ripe to burn. And we're seeing fewer years that are just average with a good amount of rain and really bring us you know, back to that center point. We're swinging from edge to edge. Got it. Really interesting, Clark. Uh, I know you mentioned the longer uh, summer seasons that, that we've had. I guess uh, it seems like wildfires are happening all, all over the place, uh, you know, different times of the year. When, when is the wildfire season now anyway? Well, wildfire season is really different in different parts of the country. So we tend to start wildfire season in the early spring in the Southwest, Arizona, New Mexico, where it's coming out of a dry winter. Oftentimes in Colorado, we have an early season in May before the monsoons start. And then wildfire season might really hit its peak in, in Montana and then you know, the Northwest uh, in late summer. California's wildfire season, you know, while we're seeing it go from June to December, really hits its peak in September, October, November. So it's really unfortunate that we're in August and we've got major fires in California and it's just going to be a long season there. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to watch and see, uh, you know, how the season evolves and, and whether uh, these trends of continuing to have more fires during, uh, you know, earlier, earlier time periods continues or not into the future. Um, I would like to talk to you about a recent event, uh, uh, the Dixie Fire. But before we get into that, I know as we got ready for today, we talked a little bit about the Wildland Urban Interface. And so I'm curious if you could, uh, you know, number one, maybe talk to us, what is the WUI as it is known as, and what role does exposure growth in the WUI have on wildfire risk? Sure, I mean, the, the WUI, the Wildland Urban Interface, is the area where homes and forests meet. So it can be at the edge of major communities, and it can be up in the, the forested, you know, rural communities that we see around the West. You know, the WUI really makes wildfires impactful to humans because it's the bringing homes to the, the, the front of those wildfires and really putting those homes at risk for, for these large wildfires. And what we're seeing is that the land along these edge of these forests is less expensive to build on. And as home prices in the US have just been rising consistently over the years, what we're seeing is people are choosing to live there because they can afford to live there. And it's a trend that we're gonna continue to see as, you know, as long as home prices remain so high. Gotcha. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that too is, is really important to keep our eyes, eyes on as, uh, you know, the risk, uh, as people continue to, um, you know, put themselves in, in areas that is, they may not realize is in harm's way. And, uh, it's important for us to, you know, be aware of that. And I think be a part of the conversation and helping, helping consumers, businesses alike, understand that risk. Yeah, agreed. So as we, we look at the, the Dixie Fire in Northern California, which began burning in July 2021, we're, we're here today, August 19th. It's still burning away. Uh, it's been categorized as the largest single wildfire in state history and the largest of nearly 100 major wildfires currently burning in the U Western U.S. Um, just some really mind-boggling stats. 635,000 acres burned, nearly 650 homes destroyed, at this point, it's only about 33% contained. 
Uh, I know the event is still in progress, but so far to date, what's your assessment of the Dixie Fire and what can we learn from it? You know, I think a good lesson to take away from these from the Dixie Fire is that, you know, today's large fires are becoming almost unstoppable. And what happens is, is, you know, if I think back to my time as a firefighter, when we were battling a large wildfire, we would often see short periods of intense fire weather, high winds, high temperatures, and that would cause these fires to explode and really grow. But often, you know, 20 years ago, red flag warnings would last for a couple of days. And today what we're seeing is that these red flag warnings, this extreme fire weather is going on for weeks at a time. And what happens is, is that firefighters can't get in and do their backburns to really build the, the, the construction or a line around these fires. So they can't, they can't corral them. And so with this extreme weather that we're seeing, these fires are just growing unfettered for weeks at a time, and it turns them into these mega fires. So I think this, you know, climate change and the, the change in weather has really made for a difficult condition for firefighters to, you know, to work in. And I think we're going to continue to see this. Right, right. Well, hopefully we're, we're able to, to close uh, and bring that to a, to a, a resolution sometime in the near future because it's, uh, it's certainly doing a lot of damage. Clark, let's take a minute and define for our listeners who may be new to the subject, you know, what exactly is a wildfire risk score? That's what you're bringing to Duck Creek Underwriting. You know, what is this information and how is it being used today by insurers to, you know, improve underwriting or portfolio management or, you know, to help make other decisions? Sure. You know, a wildfire risk score can be different things coming from different companies. But essentially, a wildfire risk score is gonna be an assessment of the wildfire risk at a particular site, at a, at a home's location or at a location. And that assessment might include things like severity. That would be the modeled uh, intensity of a wildfire should it occur. Maybe you're gonna bring in the slope and the aspect and the fuel and the size of an area. But it could also, a wildfire risk score could include the frequency. How often would I expect a wildfire to occur? And we're gonna see very different um, wildfire frequencies in you know, Southern California and Northern Montana. So frequency can be a big part of a wildfire score. But you can also have the vulnerability. What's the likelihood that a home at this site survive a wildfire should it occur? And that's a really important part of a wildfire score and something that we're seeing the modeling industry put a lot of effort into right now. And all of this helps you know, insurers make a confident decision about whether to underwrite a particular location or how to price it. And you can use that wildfire score to, you know, to make that decision if you have the confidence in it. Interesting. So, so Clark, as insurers are evaluating different wildfire risk solutions, what are some of the things you feel insurers should be looking for from a vendor like Red Zone? So I like to say that there are three key elements. And the first is to look at the big picture, to make sure your vendor is, is properly modeling wildfire behavior, because we know these mega fires can create um, large plumes of fire and put embers miles in front of the fire front. And so what the vendor needs to be doing is to be really looking at fire behavior to make sure that they're identifying the risk to a home, 
even if that home is deeply embedded in a community and that wildfire risk is you know, a half mile away. They need to be able to identify that. The second thing is that you know, wildfire risk is not a simple answer. Single score just doesn't cut it. So it's really the, the vendor's responsibility to help you tell you the story of where that wildfire risk is coming from. What's the driver? And maybe the third point would be a score for us is insufficient to be the only thing you're using to make your decision. It's really important for insurers to think about their concentration. How many high-risk homes do they have in a particular location? What does that worst case scenario look like? So modeling concentration, I think is becoming a really important part of building that resilient and profitable portfolio. What, Clark, what are the key data sources leveraged in wildfire risk modeling today? So I would break it down into four components. I'd start with the natural environment. That's gonna be the fuel, the slope, the vegetation, all of the things that exist you know, in the forest. The second might be that built environment. So that would be the structures, the roads, what's been developed, because that's gonna have a big impact on wildfire risk modeling. The third would be, what's the long-term condition of the vegetation? Has it been burned recently? Or has it not burned in a hundred years? Because that's gonna create a very decadent, very intense wildfire. And then lastly, you know, one of the, the last of the four components would be fire weather. How often would a region experience ripe fire weather? Uh, because that's gonna really you know, give us that insight into that fire weather or that fire risk modeling. Clark, when it comes to preventing and reducing wildfire risk, what are some actions that insurers might encourage their policyholders to take? So Robert, I would say that there are two keys to encouraging a homeowner to take action. The first is thinking about defensible space. Defensible space is the concept of reducing the intensity of a fire as it approaches a home. And you can do that through removing vegetation from around the structure to thinning out the forest you know, surrounding the structure. But often what we don't, or what insurers don't take into account is making sure that that structure is going to survive a fire or an ember shower. Because oftentimes we see homes that don't survive a fire and the fire never even gets there. And what happens is that an ember lands on the structure or on vegetation or gets under the deck and results in the loss of that structure. So what insurers can help homeowners do is really focus on hardening their structure to make sure that an ember that lands does not ignite that structure and lead to a, a loss. And I think we're, you know, we're entering a time where it's gonna be really exciting to see, home, to see insurers tracking home mitigation and incorporating that data into decision-making. I think there's a lot of opportunity for insurers to take that into account and make a better decision on what that homeowner has done to protect their home. You know, excellent point, Clark. I think, you know, it is interesting to see all the different ways that insurers are, you know, not just improving their claims payout process or claims management process, but, you know, focusing on uh, helping their policyholders, you know, reduce the risk entirely, which is in everybody's best interest. That's, uh, that's great advice, Clark. And I think, yeah, the more preventative action we can do, the, uh, you know, the better everyone benefits, obviously. You know, no one wants to, to have these claims come in. And so um, that's, those, are, those are some really good steps. So as we look to get closer to wrapping up here, I'd like to look, have you look into the future, Clark. You know, if we think 
10, 20, 30 years from now, how do you see the frequency and intensity of wildfire risk changing? And second part to that question, uh, how will wildfire risk modeling solutions evolve to continue helping insurers underwrite price and manage the risk? You know, I would say, Rob, that, you know, global warming or climate change has really changed the underlying variables that are making wildfires, you know, more likely to occur every year. You know, we're simply seeing in our generation, this warmer, these warmer temperatures that are increasing the likelihood of intense fire. And we're seeing snow melt sooner. So our, you know, our fire season is getting longer. So if recent years are an indicator of what's to come, fire season is going to become you know, a lot more active and intense in the next 10, 20 years. But from a solution standpoint, you know, I think we're seeing, we're right at the beginning of a, a wave of data-driven decisions. You know, insurers and insure techs are really committed to addressing this climate change by bringing in a host of, of data that can help them make a better decision. And that might include information about the current state of the vegetation, the building condition, whether a homeowner has taken action to mitigate the risk around their home. You know, the, the companies can start to use all of these data points to make a better decision. And I think that's going to be a, an amazing way that insurers can really confront climate change and, and continue to, to build a profitable portfolio. Absolutely. And I mean, I think it's clear, obviously, you know, wildfires from, from what we've, we've heard and learned, they're not going away anytime soon. It is a challenge we're going to have to continue to confront as an industry. And, uh, you know, it's great to hear how you're thinking about leveraging these new data sources and pulling them together into advanced analytics to, uh, to really give insurers a path forward. Clark, before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, you know, I'd like to say, like, as a business owner, this is a really exciting time to be in the wildfire space. You know, clearly our fire season is changing more rapidly than anyone could have predicted. But at the same time, you know, modeling, technology, data sources are evolving really quickly. And I can tell you that 10 years ago, one of our biggest challenges with bringing on a new insurer as a customer was the expense. It often cost them four to five times more to integrate Red Zone than it did to actually buy the service. So just the simple fact that insurers are able to integrate new technologies faster and cheaper is really creating momentum that we just didn't think we would see. You know, fire's here to stay. We simply can't remove it from the landscape. And so I'm really excited to be you know, a part of our communities, our government, and our industry to have and to face that responsibility to evolve you know, faster than the fires are changing. So we're proud and excited to you know, contribute in some small way to the solutions that help make our communities safer. So thanks, Robert. Yeah, well, thank you, Clark. I really appreciate you taking time to share your insights today. And, uh, you know, we're excited about our integration together. And I look forward to, to working with you more um, as we go forward. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Clark. And thank you all for tuning in today. Before we conclude today's episode, I'd like to reiterate that at Duck Creek, we have an integration with Red Zone, whereby we pull in wildfire risk scores and the drivers behind those scores directly into Duck Creek policy, enabling insurers to make smarter underwriting decisions. To learn more about our integrations with Red Zone, visit duckcreek.com slash partner slash Red Zone. I'm also so thrilled to announce that Conversations on the Creek is now available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So if you enjoyed this podcast, 
Be sure to check out all of our other great podcast episodes and subscribe to our show today. We'll see you next time.